Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. You are listening to a podcast by Pastor Eric Seepin and Pastor Andy Littleton. If you enjoy Faith Over Breakfast, we encourage you to rate it on the Apple Podcast app, on Spotify, or Google Play. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. My name is Andy Littleton from Mission Church in Tucson, Arizona, and I'm here with Eric Seepin from The Village in Tucson, Arizona, and we are here to talk to you about abuse of power, 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 and a lot more. Yeah. So, Eric, uh, you you had this topic on your list of topics, which everyone is about to hear, um, but, but explain the nuance of it briefly. Oh, just simply... Uh kind of pondering the idea of abuse of power in an upside down way, how congregations might be abusive to pastors. Uh, yeah. Yep. That's, that's exactly because, right. Yeah. And because I think you'll find out when you listen to why we, <laughs> and, and I will just say that it ends up in um, really, I think a very practical way that could apply to almost anyone listening. Uh, you know, so how do you go about deciding where you should go to church? Yeah. Like very practical, I think great, um, conversation in that direction yeah. in the in the Definitely. in the heart of this one so if you want to hear two pastors talk and i i know we we preface this a lot and we preface it in the uh actual conversation today but we are not speaking for mission or for the village and for the most part not referring to mission or the village when yeah. talking about spiritual abuse or anything like that so we want yeah. to make sure you understand that when we, we are talking about it. And we don't come to you today as two um, prepared lecturers um, making an NPR-style podcast uh, that, that is edited out and worked out. The premise of this podcast is two pastors sit down for breakfast and have an open conversation with each other, free form. There's an empty seat at the table. You get to sit and listen in. So that's, that is what it is. Um, take it as such and enjoy the ride. Well, I just gave you the intro you wanted, but yeah, not you on did the air, give so me I'm the sorry. intro. So you know what's been different about 2024 is I actually have show notes every single week. Oh yeah, and the best thing about these show notes is the picture in the back. So this is going to be our photo right. for the podcast. You got to look like you're reading it. This is mm. this is looking really fake, and it is fake. Everything's fake. Spiritual. Okay, okay. So now we're now we're going. All right, now now we're going. So let's start with the the funniest thing. Uh, here we go. What food should I avoid? Vegetables. All right. Yep. Any particular kind of vegetable that I should avoid? Oh, absolutely. The the nice dark leafy ones. Yeah. All dark leafy vegetables. Okay. Yeah. Worst advice you've ever been given? <sighs> yeah. Okay. That's going to take some thought. It's been, I've gotten so much <laughs> bad advice. <laughs> oh, that's no. good. Okay. Um, uh, here you go. Weird Andy food combinations. Oh, oh, yeah, all of them. I am a food mixer. So, so, like, what's your favorite like go-to food mixer that people are like, "Oh man." Um, oh, I don't even know, man. I, I, it's just every meal. I, oh, I like, I like flavor combinations. I don't okay. know. I don't. So, you so have here, to ask somebody else. Here's a, here's a funny. They're one. normal to me. My dad. Uh huh. He he used to do these big glasses of iced tea. Uh huh. And his three sons would just come by and grab his glass and just drink it. Gross. And he got so upset about it. And he doesn't really remember this, but we all remember it. He would put milk in his tea, okay. like iced tea. 
So is that just kind of and then he would put some kind of weird, you know, lemony thing like that. So, you know, lemon and milk and tea is like you can get like, your milk to curdle. A little bit. Oh, that's gross. Yeah. Yeah. So he's trying to gross us out. So there's a weird food combination. Yeah, that, that's weird. All right. I, I, I mean, I, I like things that taste good together. I'm yeah. not trying to. Well, some people like think they like ketchup on their eggs. Other people don't like ketchup. Some people want oh. a particular kind of hot sauce on their burrito, and other hot sauces are a violation. Like you don't put salsa on your burrito. You put hot sauce, oh. and, like those kinds of things. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll do it. I can do either one. Yeah. Okay. Hard boiled eggs and salad. No, thank you. All oh, right. Absolutely. It's, it's delicious. All right. Uh, here we go. There's a lot of talk about spiritual abuse, right? Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and mostly from leadership to congregation. Yeah. But I think it would be interesting to explore the spiritual boost that congregations put on pastors. Well, that's that's probably the the most faith over breakfast interesting one right there <laughs> so far all right what's the role of prayer in your life andy mm. yeah that's that's a that's a ever shifting and changing thing for me like which would I, be an interesting conversation that would be an interesting conversation all right how do you read the bible andy and eric and can you help me oh um can we help you i that Read the Bible. That yes. worries me. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Those were the subjects for that I I wrote down for today. Okay. No. I mean, I think I don't. I think we should do the spiritual abuse one, and then we could throw in the um, worst advice if if I happen to think of it. All right. Between now and then. <laughs> okay. All so, right. So you're feeling abused by your your church, Eric. That's what I'm hearing. No, I just am. St- kind of surprised like it's a big thing right now if you read in the in a in pop culture and even in christian culture like the abuse of power right people abusing their power this is a Mm -hmm. conversation we're having a lot yeah um but in a congregation there's a unique power thing happening certainly within staffs and in in org structures there can be abuse of power but well well, congregations themselves have power the the assumption culturally is that power is primarily held by um by a person um usually male but not always right um in a high um responsibility position yes so that's the the way the power dynamics are often framed am i would you say that's accurate this is off the cuff as yeah, faith no. over breakfast is but i'd say that's the sure so if you were to really do a deep dive study on just like power what is it mm-hmm. i think you'd find a lot of ways that power can sure can come right sure. it know, can come through is... um like you know people who are in authority positions probably feel that there's a lot of power um from all of the forces outside that you know expect things of them or you know force them into a mold and then there's the power of a populace who's unhappy so speaking of sports which you kind of wanted to talk about jokingly before we get on here well i just wanted to just maybe uh, talk about the browns yeah but so you know the university of arizona loses a game to oregon state which is shocking maybe we should process that a little bit no we really shouldn't (laughs) But the uh, but you you look on social media in the morning and what is it? Everybody fire the coach, um, you know two mm-hmm. or two or three players, you know leave, get out of here. Um, there's a power in being, um, you know, in in the eye of the of the mass of critics, and and you have to think like actually that coach's job does end up in jeopardy the more people 
um, you know, scream and say stuff on social media because, yeah. you know, there's uh, there's the power that, you know, money can bring. How often do we hear about the uh, the unseen people who try to stay totally anonymous um, but, right. but wield power uh, even over, you know, influential people? There's yeah. – um, anyway, you could – so, so my point is the the way it's talked about in culture, typically, I think, coming out, out of academia is you look to the top, to the person that's running things. They have power. Um, there's a deep distrust there, mm-hmm. you know, or, or look at the system. The system just creates this imbalance of power. Yes. So, so that, that's how it usually comes out of academia. And that's, I don't think that's all wrong. Right. I think, I think that's a response to, you know, to things. But I also I'm not sure that's the whole picture. I don't right. I don't think anybody really studying this would say that it is the whole picture. No, yeah. no. And I, I I think I'm trying to engage in a pop culture level. I mean, my collegiate background is in all of this, right. so I, I don't. But I'm not trying to have that conversation because I just think it's interesting well, in the dialogue. I agree with all the things that that we're really focusing on the failure of people and mm-hmm. what they've done. Um, and I think we have this underlying cultural narrative of that. All of us somehow are traumatized and all of us mm-hmm. are. Well, well it's advantageous in the reason I bring up the academia stuff is we are borrowing that language. Sure. Oh, we course. really are yeah. a lot of times without understanding the journey by which we got here yeah. and where that language is coming from and how those assumptions were, formed uh, often mm-hmm. that's right so yeah. that's why i bring that up yes yeah. just to acknowledge that but right. the but yeah in pop pop culture or in our everyday lives there are assumptions about how these things right are. and i guess part of it was i think there's a lot of instruction and i think it's really good because i do think we are seeing sort of the the consequences of giving so much power yeah. to individuals agree um and but at the same time like the teaching of warning signs, things you should look for, ways you should stand up for yourself, I think should be offered to people whose main calling as past, as pastors is to serve people. Uh-huh. And so those people uh, themselves can take advantage of you and can be abusive to you. And I, I'm actually, I just need to say this as a disclaimer. I'm not actually talking about the village. I think the village is relatively kind to me. Yeah. But I do see this happen a lot yeah. where pastors and, and I've experienced it at times are not considered and they're seen as the person with the power when a lot of times they aren't the person with the power. So, so how, so dialing it into churches, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say one more thing. I think, I think a lot of us know this in our culture, but it's become advantageous. There's almost a, a flurry of attempting to become viewed as the um, the powerless one in the culture because right. that's the more innocent position. And right. so you'll see on the left and the right. So the response of the right to the left talking about power is to say, no, we're the ones without power. We're the ones that have had all of our power stripped away. And I've even seen this in like higher up denominational spaces where people are like, well, I'm being a, I'm being a, um, Un, I'm being unthoughtful and mean because my group's been out of power for so long. And that's often people who the other group would say, no, you've been in power. Right, so there's right. this argument it's, it's back and forth. Into power. So it's most most advantageous to have yeah. less power except the 
the thing being accomplished is to get more power for yourself or your group. And so good cultural commentators have said, well, this is this whole line of thought doesn't work very well because once you gain the power, you're now in the, in the position that's disadvantageous to you. Don't you see that? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think I hear that conversation all the time. Yeah. It's distressing. I think this maybe links back to last week's podcast um, and just how we were having a little bit of conversation about celebrity pastors. Yeah. Don't, maybe they're slightly careless with their words. Right. Uh, And words have power. And I think words are the cultural power. And I mean, that's how we communicate. That's how we establish things. That's how we manipulate and do all that kind of stuff. And I think if I have an admonition to celebrity pastors, I have an admonition to uh, local congregations that they are careful with their words. Because I actually don't think they understand how powerful those words are. Some some people don't, some do. Depends yeah. on. Well, they yeah. may actually understand how powerful they are, and they wield them. That's that's right. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Anyway, so acknowledging, um, and I also am very grateful for mission. I do not. I'm not walking around feeling um, like. I mean, like granted, my church is is uh, hard on me. Um, I it's not that the village or mission isn't sinful and hasn't oh, been. No, yeah. You know, all that acknowledged. Yeah, it's just they're not particularly spiritually abusive places to pastor. <laughs> No, I I found I found Mission yeah. to be one of the I I personally think it's one of the best places in the world. Well, yeah, um, I hope you do. I yeah, mean, that's a good thing. Well, a lot of pastors, pastors. Let's be honest. They a don't. lot of pastors don't feel that way about yeah. their church. Yeah, a lot of pe- pastors no. they don't are, are dealing with. They're enduring it. Um, right. I don't. I I love our church. It's where I want to be. And, yeah. And not just because I started it. I genuinely enjoy it. So, but that said. So how do you see this work out in churches? What brought this to your mind? Well, I, to be to be brutally honest with you, uh, the Allender Center did two, is, I haven't listened to their second podcast, but the first podcast was on spiritual abuse. So I was just listening to that yeah. and kind of processing what they said. And to be honest, some of it was slightly uh, agitating to me because I was like, okay, well, wait a minute. Like we become so focused on what feels abusive and and what is abusive and i i need to be very careful here because i i understand and have engaged with people who have been abused yes. by power so i'm not I, I'm, abs- same i'm just yeah. very concerned about the conversation we're having around it and i think then the other conversation that got me th- really thinking about this is that i was listening to a very famous trauma counselor um who developed the community resiliency model and she was saying she has moved away from the word trigger mm. because of the dynamic it, it creates mm. for people who are triggered. Like mm-hmm. it's it's actually an abusive word, mm. and I um, I have been triggered. It's a power word, right? Mm. Because now you have been placed. You triggered you, me. You are now in the actual. I'm in the power seat, and you're in. Yeah. In the, the, the which tends to happen with all these terms as yes. time goes on. Sure. And so yeah. we have to be. So language. Yeah. Is so important, and I think like part of this. I guess so. The thing I've been processing a lot is that I am a pastor <clears throat> of a church that volunteers to come to church. Right. They volunteer to be yeah. under me, 
And they're in a place of what is, and not just me, other elders, leaders, like, what does it mean to submit to one another? What does it mean to live out a life together in the local body while we're getting all these messages? And one of the big ones right now is spiritual abuse. Well, let's let's just work out what you just said, because... You like they, working out what I said. They volunteered to be under me. Now, you know, there's a... I could see somebody in their soul going, sure. going I don't see it that way. Like, sure. I, the village is just a kind of a, a great community I like to be in. Like sure. I don't I don't view Eric as being like the Lord over it and these but 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 no, wait a second. No, and I wasn't Here's, saying that. Yeah. No, I know it. I know. Yep. Here's where I'm going with that. To say that but the truth is like those who do understand the way the village works or the way any place works is that a culture of of mutual care but also mutual like honesty and like discipleship that's willing to ask the hard question but to shoot for the good even if it's painful like that is one that's under your watch care that you have in many ways created sure that and so there is an understanding i think around here that you there is and you guys talk about like submission and and in a way that leads to um, creating the right kind of places for people to be discipled and to sure. actually engage with God. And so there's, yeah, that there's no place you go where you're not under somebody. Yeah. And, and I mean, even if you, if you isolate yourself in your house and you play video games all the time, you are still, um, you're under some, somebody's the landlord. you maybe your parent lives there. Yeah. Um, or even if you get rid of all those layers, uh, you're still under you and your management yeah. and and if your own management is not good and healthy you will not th- thrive and flourish there sure so so we're always looking for you know not to i think we're always looking for not how do we get away from power i think we're always on the hunt for where's the safe power yeah no i, I agree that actually has my best interests in mind right and i, I think that that's there's a there's a dilemma there because I think if you look at the New Testament, well, you could just say if you look at the whole Bible, but as does the New Testament kind of lays out the church and Paul begins to structure it for us. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right. One of the one of the things that I I notice is that it is so counter. I mean, it's counter to the culture it appears in, but it's counter to my own culture. The idea of of allowing someone to guide me and, and, and caring for that person is very contradictory. Mm-hmm. Like I, my own self, I guess partly I'm just, I think sometimes I, I my, my encouragement and the thing I'm kind of trying to process is that I think congregations need to think less about what is this church doing for me and more about how am I caring for the people who are trying to lead me into the Great Commission to yeah. make disciples? Like, how do I help the make this easier as Hebrews? Ask not what your church can do for you, <laughs> right. but what you can do for God's kingdom. And I don't even know so much about it I'm being... Just... But I think that's what we hear as Christians is, oh, so what you're saying is, uh-huh. what can you're asking me to do stuff. Yeah. And I'm actually saying, well, I'm wondering if like you could think a little deeper about how you care for hmm. and 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 really think about the people who are trying desperately to lead you to the throne of Jesus. Hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, what does that look like? And maybe that actually could lead us. We don't need to spend a long time on that. Maybe it could lead us into prayer and reading scripture and, and you know, the worst advice you've ever gotten. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I no, I think, I think this is interesting. So, so give me, um, l- let's try to come up with something of an example, but not sure, one. Sure, sure. I'm not saying like draw out a story from a friend here in Tucson or your. Yeah, well, life. I can I can draw it out from past church experiences. Yeah. That okay. So 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 how might this actually play out? Um, a couple well, a couple of ways. I think. Well, here's one. Just that. Well, let's talk about power of congregation. So I was okay. in a congregational yes. church. Yes. So I, congregation. I have been in one of those too, where it felt like the pastor couldn't get anything done right and votes yeah are what determine things and so there are all these sub power structures yeah. built into the church <clears throat> and, and the, you the actually, family that's been there forever the yes. uh the loudest person in the room and um, the and the biggest giver yes all have power so when votes come up they're the ones swaying people there and so the poor pastor is left at the whim uh-huh. and that's actually abusive hmm. to be yeah. left at the whim of your congregation yeah that, that you, it's think about this. You're told you're a leader, but you can't lead unless you're doing what other people want. Right. Yeah. That's manipulative. Yeah. That yeah. that that's very difficult to live with. I think the other one is is that and this is actually as churches get larger. This is because mm-hmm. when your churches say like thirty five people, if I go up to you and I say, Man, Andy, that sermon sucked. Yeah. And I don't actually think you prepare very well. Mm-hmm. That actually has a ripple effect on almost all 30 people yeah. and it probably will either be dealt with or, you know, like, because right. we're a family, it's, it's a family structure there. We're going to have to have this whole internal conversation about, is that how everybody really feels? Yes. Yeah. Is that, are you all feeling the effects of this? Yeah. yeah. As it gets bigger and bigger, people feel more free to say things without any consequence. Yeah. And so I think sometimes what you say to pastors, you don't realize how much of an impact that has on mm. right because maybe you're thinking yeah i know andy and i can say you know even if it's not an off you know something that's a direct criticism i just need to say this one thing so andy should because i know andy will think about that you know right. like i know andy i mean i would do this like yeah because i knew the pastors in oh, a lot right. of churches that i was in and i'd be like oh man i just think that andy needs to think about this one thing when he was preaching okay well if there are 700 of us that that means that like ten percent of us thought that, uh-huh. <laughs> and ten percent of us are going to go talk to. Well, yeah, right. Maybe, or or even in so theory, instead of yeah. one person, poor Andy hears from eight or nine persons uh-huh. that day. And that's a lot for a pastor to carry, right? Even if it's not always like a direct thing, it's just a like I need to offer you a careful uh, correction or Hey, did you notice your son was off campus during yeah. the sermon? Oh, right. Yeah. You know, that kind like, of stuff happens. So yeah. just these words, like I have power. I'm concerned about your wife. Yes. And you're like, uh, who all's thinking this or whatever. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of the like, like sure. language because you're usually the speaking pastor in particular, but this happens for all the pastors. They're the touch points for the congregation yeah. on a Sunday. Yeah. Especially in a community where there's not a lot of communal, engagement yeah so that's so the, i that's one way i would see that you know it, it's interesting because the very reason i did not want to be a pastor is around this so when um and and it but it's because of my own issues so when i was a youth worker um i you know i was involved enough in the church that i knew the 
all the internal conversations, but I didn't really have a, a say in anything. And I remember having a lot of different thoughts about how the pastor pastors ought to do things and would sometimes share those, usually not, but just kind of going, you know, I, I wish they would talk like this. Like if, you know, if they want to see younger people in the room, they need to talk to them, even if they don't, you know, see their faces or else they're never going to really engage and they, sure. they I wish they would listen to cast things a little differently the way that we're suggesting. Anyway, I had all these these critiques and it started to dawn on me later that that was because <clears throat> because of the position that you know whoever's at the top, quote unquote, is the one who I'm going to blame right. for this stuff because yeah. they have the they have the power to change it at least in the church structure I was in and I wasn't a congregational one at another time and felt like the pastor couldn't get anything done. So, but then all of a sudden when the possibility started to emerge that, oh, I could lead a church, my immediate thought was, I don't want to do that because then I'm in that position and then all my, every one of my things I do gets scrutinized. And I remember I just kind of going, oh, no, that's not what I want to do. And I remember driving down Speedway Boulevard and I saw a billboard of a church with a big picture of the pastor on it the cool church it wasn't it actually wasn't wow it wasn't one i'd heard of but i just remember thinking you idiot why would you put yourself up on that billboard don't you know how many people can (laughs) tear you down you know interesting it so it was like a fear that i had to i had to eventually face and i remember one time i always in my mind i always thought tim keller was so measured and and just such a, he was, you know, it'd become kind of a, a prototype for me where I was like, I'd like to speak in a, in an informed way, kind of like this. And I remember looking at some article or something and just the hundreds of comments, just ripping him to shreds, just see this is liberal garbage and all this stuff underneath it. And it dawned on me, I, I thought the pastor who I can point to publicly and say, I think is one of the most measured, kind, generous he gets ripped. To sh- There's no way of doing this without enduring criticism. There's just no path. And I felt like I had to accept it. Like, God, will I follow you if people criticize me or not? That I felt like a crossroads question right. for me. But anyway, that was, it was very much something that I, I grappled with going like, Oh, that's it's, it felt like this is walking into a den of lions. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know that it's been that bad, but I'm not done yet, you know, and it hasn't been easy. Yeah, <laughs> sure. There's and, been plenty I of mean, criticism. Being a pastor yeah. is hard and critique is, is part of the deal. And that's, I mean, there's a part of me that for me, I had to swallow that pill, right? Yeah. And say, God, this seems to come with the territory. And if we don't lead people toward your kingdom, just because we're afraid of this, like, that's not good. Yeah. I can't, I can't succumb to that fear. Right. You know, like what's the alternative? Um, I go off and do something I don't, I feel you haven't called me to do. Um, but, but then there's the other side of like, what's the responsibility of those yeah. on the other side of that? And that's what you're bringing up. Well, yeah. And I think, and maybe this is just the world that I walk in, but I think it's not, I look at all the books that I read. I look at all the books that my congregation reads. I look at all the things that are being said in all the different spaces and very few of them are giving concrete biblical exhortations explanations and directives to congregations on how to follow their 
Mm. leaders how to care for their leaders how to lift up their leaders how to be good most of the stuff out there is how to get away from bad leaders yes yeah it's so much so that's that's that that market's saturated yeah at this point and i don't think historically um caring for your pastor has is a popular big selling book right you can't right that's not a it's not a popular teaching it doesn't um well, it has no appeal, right? <laughs> I know, no, it is, right? right? Like, no, I agree. N- with nor you. is it caring for your uh, senators. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen a book that says how to care for your senator? How to yeah. how to you know how to care for the judges in your community? Um, well, which is terrible. How to yeah? How 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 would you care for the uh, superintendents of your school system? No, no, it did nobody, not a lot. Not a big popular popular thing. No. No, this is probably not going to be a popular podcast. We'll have to title it something else so that yeah. people will listen. Yeah. But but I think it's important because I, I think I think I've learned about discipleship, and it's really uncomfortable as someone who leads and disciples, and I'm not great at it, and I think villagers listening to this are going to say, yeah, you don't do this well, is teaching people to take care of me. Like the first step to discipleship is to teach someone to take care of me. That's so funny because that – as you often do, Eric, that's one of those things where I'm like, my immediate reaction is like, no, it's not. So, yeah. So, how is that the case? How would that be the case? Because, and I don't think this is true for all time periods, but in this particular time pe- period, it is a very egocentric thing. And part of discipleship is breaking egocentrism. And usually, what people see is, what do you give me? That, and and that's that's and what do I get? And then there's an exchange process. If I value what I get from you, uh-huh. I will give you whatever level I value that at. Right. Um, and and I instead of thinking, you know, I was taught like uh, the first mentor, real mentor that I had as a pastor or becoming a pastor, I went to him and I said, I will do X, Y, and Z. Like I I will my life out for you if you'll if you'll just offer me what you have i think that's what all disciples are called to do like as followers of jesus i don't think necessarily you're supposed to swear your life to someone right um but i think it would change leadership if 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 20 people at mission came to you and john and the elders and said we will we will what do you need from us not as like a church building and people like you as leaders in your personal lives, in your homes, and in this church. Like, how can we pour our life out for you if you'll pour into us? Hmm. I think that would, that would, you know, that's, you know, it'd be mind-blowing. Yeah. It would, you would change your church. Hmm. Sure. Um, because you would be able to rest into those people. Yeah. Um, and you would be excited about teaching them. And it's not that there isn't elements of that already at Mission. Right. Right. And, or at the village. But it's not necessarily the way people think. Right. Um, and so part of discipleship is helping people think that way, which is why you, in a sense, have to be willing to pour yourself out. So so explain. So as I think about it, I'm like, this is just not how we behave in any. in any. So like you go, um, I don't know, you join a gym. Yeah. And somebody owns the gym. Yeah. Um, the thought is not like, how do I pour into this um, person who owns the gym? The thought is that the role of that person yeah. in owning a gym mm-hmm. is to provide a service for me i will consume it if it's worthwhile right. if not i will take my business elsewhere so how is church different than that like 
I don't. I think people view them as the same. I agree. Yeah. So 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 work. At, I know. Yeah. Work that out. Like how how would a person, um, and why would they think of the church differently than the gym? Well, the gym first is not based on uh, the creator of the universe. So we can start there. I right? agree. Uh, yeah. It's not a community of people who follow the savior of the world. So there's, but with that in mind, so that already just gives this whole space that we're in yeah. this amazing and awesome kind of weight that a gym does not well, have. Well, I think a core question, I mean, it's been a little bit since I've talked about this, but I have talked about this at mission is we think of the church as a place that we choose like a gym. But if we really believe in the God that we're talking about here, then God actually would have said, I, I have found you and I want you to walk with these people. Like this is now there's a danger on the other side. So as a, as a leader, if I pronounce that over somebody like that can move in the direction of a controlling cult. Yeah. Right. So I'm not trying to say that the leader's role is to say, I know God has called you here and you're here to submit to me. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that like internally we, as we say, you become a Christian or you're a Christian that moves to a new town, you should prayerfully be asking God, who do you want me to follow you with? Who, who are, what, which, which one of these communities um, is the one that you would like me to be walking with? And, um, and I think that as we really go through that kind of process, there's a certain point where, you know, we can, uh, we can trust that God does that. Hello, Zerk. I love that um, what just happened with Eric as we uh, come back on the air was he was so sure this is a very important phone call and it was uh, indeed a spam likely. Yeah, it was a spam likely, but I am waiting for our roofers yeah. to call. So I apologize. This won't even, well, like maybe I'll leave it. I don't know. I put some maybe music. Slaves to Technology I'll is our some, next podcast. <laughs> put some music under yeah. it. <laughs> anyway, that was, no. can you uh, repeat what you said? Um, ooh, knowing me, probably not, but I was I, essentially saying that if, if you're coming to town or you become a new Christian and you're really just saying, God, right. who, who am I to follow you with? Right. And you're seeking that and you're, you're prayerfully examining that you're not, you're not going around like a gym. You're not going, which one provides the services that I need? So I would be asking like, through whom did I come to see Jesus? You know where are are the kind of these gospel ideals being carried to me? Who through whom are they are they coming to me? Because often people I've I've noticed this happen a lot of times. Somebody will become um, they'll have a person who really invests in their life and and shows them Jesus, right? And then they go out on a kind of church shopping adventure that's like not tied to that person that brought them right. to Jesus. Like probably the ideal would be to keep walking with that person in the community they're in. Yeah. But the, um, why we don't do that is, is even the person walking with them is highly likely to say, now you go find a good church that works for you, that has the music you like, that communicates in a style that you like, you know, we we're always framing it. Like that's how you should go choose versus saying, where is God doing the work in you? How, whatever the music sounds like, or if they meet in a building or not, like, 
right walk there and i think if we were thinking that way immediate it, that would change the dynamic immediately right because it would be the 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 work of god is what led me to these people versus oh i you know this is the this is the ultimate church that does all the cool things yeah so one of the things that I have seen, and this is when it comes to discipling people, and I see this, and I see it at the village, and I see it everywhere in Christian community, and that is what I would call a non-biblical Pauline theology, uh-huh. and that means I'm like Paul, that I go to bed, I have a dream, and I'm and I'm called to go here, I'm called to do that. It's yeah. like me and God, and God yeah. calling me, and God calls me outside of everything else. And so there's not a, an accountability to the larger um, community. And that doesn't mean like God doesn't call you somewhere. No. I, Usually I think the call does originate with you or if you're in community, it kind of bubbles up out of that. Yeah. But there's still an accountability of like, it's not God has called me to do this. And so I must do X, whatever it is. It's I feel like God is calling me this way. Do you hear that? Right. What do you think? Would you listen with me? Would you pray over this with me? And you know, let's all be at peace with whatever yeah. we're being invited to do. And then, and I've, so I've seen, this is a story I've seen actually play out a number of times in our community due to the, the ages that are there. So somebody will be on that journey and they'll, let, let's say they move to town, mm-hmm. um, 20-something, single, they try a couple churches, they come into mission and they go, you know what, they were really welcoming to me, I something about the way that they were talking about things was felt like God was kind of there and speaking to me. And I, I think this might be the church I, I really should ground myself in. So they, right. they do for a period of time. And then at some point they they realize, you know, I really want to, I really want a girlfriend or a boyfriend. And, um, they're just, they look around and they go, Oh, the eligible pool here is pretty low. All right, because it's a smaller church. Yeah, and start thinking, you know, actually... um, Christ community. Right, one of the big, bigger churches that has a lot of um, singles or something like that. And then you go there, um, you know, because of that service that... um, Sure, it's bigger. Yeah, and and I've I've heard several times the the phrase like, yeah, I, I really think mission's like the, like, the better church for me. But there aren't any girls here, and so therefore, um, that you could do that with. You could put music in there. You could put the time of the service in there. You could put a, a million different things, right, sure. as the factor. So, is that a good way to think about this, or how how does that lend toward uh, taking care of leaders and and a call to be in a community? I I tend to think that's the exact opposite. I I think you should go. Where is God calling me to follow Jesus, and then? you know, lift up to God your longing to meet yeah. someone and and hope and believe that through that or your work or whatever, you know, f- you know, grocery store you stumble into to pick up your leafy vegetables that God will. Your dark green ones, yeah. Especially. Yeah, that God will, uh, will work. And, and, if, and if you need a girlfriend, he'll uh, get you one. He'll get you one, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the big question is, and I think probably – the part of discipleship and caring for the the leaders around you is really to just ask like, what, what does dependency look like for me? What yeah. would it look like to say, Andy, John, the elders they're they're the people that God has put over me in this moment. And so I'm, I'm going to depend on them. 
I'm going to yeah. depend on them in, in all these different areas of my life. And yeah, they're not perfect. And yeah, they're going to hurt me. And I'm probably going to say some inappropriate things to them or do some things I shouldn't be doing. Like, But I'm going to depend on them. And I think we're taught that we only depend on ourselves because yeah. other people aren't dependable. And it turns out that they're also abusive, which is true. Like, And we're seeing that all over the place. And so why would I depend on someone who could abuse me? Well, and the, the where is God in it question is right is core to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean I always talk about like if you're here, like at the village or at mission, but if you're here, like God has drawn the boundaries for this moment around you. This is your space. Mm-hmm. You should own it. Mm-hmm. In the sense of you should take it and offer yourself and, and take what it's offering and, and become part. Yeah. And don't leave it lightly. Doesn't mean you don't leave. It just means do it with care. Yeah. Because it's hard for those who labor, right? Yeah. It is always hard. So I don't know. I think we started this off in the beginning with like, well, what congregations can be abusive. And I, I think that's, to me, I think one of the things that as a pastor you should look out for is how your congregation uses its words to engage you. Right. And really make, and like keep track of it in a sense of like, am I being encouraged in this community? Do they speak? to me in ways that encourage me or do they speak to me in ways that I'm just like every day I'm going home to my wife saying, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like so-and-so said this or, Mm. you know, that's an abuse. It's an abusive congregation. If you're going home multiple times a week saying, man, this is hurtful, man. These people don't, you know, they're mean. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's a form of spiritual abuse. There you go. So, all comes back to spiritual abuse. Speaking of spiritual abuse, Eric, before we get off, um, what's the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh man, the worst piece of advice that I have ever been given. Man, I, I did not think about it because I was asking <laughs> you. Um, you know, this is odd. I don't know if it's the worst advice, and I don't mean to throw my parents under the bus, but when I entered into college. I so wanted to be a soci- sociologist yeah. and I was so excited. And and I don't know if my parents actually said this directly, but the message I got was that's not sociology is a, a field where you can't make any money. You can't support a family. And so you either have to be like an engineer or a scientist or a teacher. These are guaranteed jobs that you can, yeah. you know, in fields that are always growing. And so, but those weren't my, I tried all three of them. They weren't my field. They weren't the thing that got me excited and I never did fully return to sociology. So that's, that's, uh, I don't know if it's the worst advice I ever got. Um, but it yeah. wasn't, it was, there was a hard moment to get a little deeper than just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about you? I think mine comes from my dad. And it was, he, he very, um, clearly said a couple times, don't be like me go out and do something with your life. And what he fundamentally misunderstood was, you know, the being versus doing. Um, he, he, it actually, I kind of rebelled against that in, you know, what he meant was go to school and get a degree. Part of why I didn't go to school and get a degree was I was like, I'm not, I don't like that advice. And Mm. so rather than go to school to not be like dad, I didn't go. Um, when this was when I was, uh, you know, thinking about college in the very first place. And, uh, yeah, he, he misunderstood that what, what I needed from him 
was I needed to glean identity from him, not just a series of choices. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that was uh that was one of the probably worst piece of pieces of advice. Yeah. I never got. Wow. All right. Well, we we kind of <laughs> we went a little bit more serious than I yeah. had intended. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, just a place to land the plane. Yeah. So, hey, uh, thanks for tuning in to Faith Over Breakfast, everybody. And uh, we encourage you to rate us uh, on Apple, Spotify, Google, anywhere you can rate. If you have a question, an angry comment, um, if you'd like to accuse Eric of some form of abuse, Please don't. Please don't. And uh, no, <laughs> don't email. But if you have there. a if you have a uh, topic that you would like to yeah. uh, to yeah. have us discuss, Faith Over Breakfast at Gmail. We we are we are really longing for the emails. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a flood of them. So. You know how we would feel cared for. Yeah, send us an email, <laughs> especially if you go to Mission Church. Oh, oh well, yeah. I mean. You know, listen to the podcast. Yeah, if you go to Mission Church. That's, yeah. That's well, it. I think if they heard this part, I guess they're listening. Yeah. If you made it this far, you're committed. Hi, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Brian. All we right, love you, Brian. <laughs> Ask us a question. All right. I think that's it. You've been listening to Faith Over Breakfast with Pastor Eric Seepin and Pastor Andy Littleton. Please share us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you.